I'm Carter Manley, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast presented by the delicious freshness of cup i'm steve mcpherson and i am joined once again by cal williams cal i feel like we were sort of ships passing in the night the last week you you've been making multiple appearances on tv and radio and events in the run-up to sunday's playoff game and i sat down with adrian heath and and ike opara and two separate podcasts in my mom's basement you know it was great you're out there in the world and i'm just scrolled up in a corner of a basement talking to people um, how, how have you been? I've been okay. Your, your guests were much more civilized last week, weren't they? They um, were very nice. <laughs> um, they, I wanted, they I wanted when Adrian came on, you know, I, I, I deal with him sort of week in and week out, uh, on a, in an interview capacity, right? We ask him questions, um, you know, sort of, he gives answers and press conferences and things like that. He's very good at giving answers, uh, in that format and then I have spent time with him away from any recording device, and he is a tremendous amount of fun, uh, but maybe not appropriate for, you know, average consumption uh, on a podcast uh, in some of those situations. Uh, and so I like I wanted to hit that in between mold where he was a little more relaxed, uh, a little more expansive, and I think we got it. It was a great. It was a really good conversation. And Ike, a podcast veteran that he is, yes. uh, since he's on uh, the Benny and Sal podcast. Yes, the podcast. Go check it out on Stitcher. All your platforms i i thought i'd give him another shout because he wanted to get a lot in so yeah why not why yeah not? yeah but how was uh how was your how was your week of of playoff hype um exhausting yeah um uh, what's the phrase again dragging ass mm-hmm. um, i absolutely was that's by, the one uh, <laughs> by the time uh sunday evening had uh had finished and rolled around at sort of 10 or 10 o'clock 11 o'clock whatever i, I went and treated myself to a little beverage at the brew hall um and I was just exhausted. Uh, there were grand plans to go out and celebrate what's been a fine season and everything. And no, I, I just had a, a couple of, of drinks and had some, uh, you know, time to socialize. And then I was like, I, I have to go to bed. I'm yeah, exhausted. Collapse, so, I mean, it was so. just a colossal week for everybody, wasn't it? You know, yeah. and, and, and not by any stretch of the imagination are we complaining um, because it's wonderful to have a, a team of ours in the playoffs. Um and it, and it um, again, I think, elevated not just the, the sporting side, it elevated the front office. It, it, it helped the entirety of the franchise mm-hmm. um, go to, to new heights and, and operate on, on a new level. Um, and it was a tremendous experience for everybody. Um, but yes, I was absolutely toast after it. And, um, you know, but it, but it is a shame. It's, it's a real shame that we, we didn't get the chance to go to Los Angeles. But, um, yeah. you know, look, it, it, it's been a fabulous season, which I'm sure we'll get into. But... Uh, yeah, uh, to answer the question, I'm just absolutely exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have we'll have some time to get into the season. Uh, maybe not in this podcast. My plan is to sort of talk about that playoff game. We're going to look at the playoffs in MLS going forward, which continue tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday, um, and 
next week we are planning on hopefully uh, things if the stars align and everything goes all right getting together with um Hassani Dotson and Chase Gasper talk about talk to some rookies about how their season went uh, mm. which I think will be a fun conversation to have so that's what we can look forward to next week and then we've got an off season into which we will dive with we'll talk some soccer things and then we'll get into some non-soccer things you know mm. it's it's the time of year contemplative it's fall the leaves are changing it's beautiful out there so let's um let's talk a little bit about the playoff game though uh against the LA galaxy. Um, I have to say just personally, me as a human being, I'm still getting my head around this. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for Minnesota United to bow to the playoffs so quickly. And I say that that means a lot of things to a lot of different people, people who were straight up fans, obviously wanted to see them make as deep a run as possible. Um, myself as someone who works for the club, I want the club to do well because it's my employer and it's, it's good to work for a place that is this having success, you know? Um, there's also the part of me that felt going into it that it's been a really long season and we have a lot of work to do in the off season and feeling that crush of we're already starting to work in the office on next year because you have to. And yet the, there are game, there's a game still going on. So I had mixed feelings about that because I am excited to dive into all the things we can do next year as well. Um, and I didn't really sit and think about how that was all going to work out. And then at the end of the game, I was just like, kind of crushed um, and have spent the last few days in a kind of haze mm. of, you know, taking care of things that need to be taken care of, but also that, that sudden feeling of we're not prepping for another game. We're not going to LA. We're not, we're not starting the week cycle again of, of getting interviews and thinking about previews and things like that. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a tragedy, but I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest. It's been a little tough. It's a very strange feeling, isn't it? I yeah, think um, yeah. everyone. Strange. Maybe not tough, but just odd. You just feel kind odd, of odd. Yeah. You know, so. Everyone in the office, I, I think it's almost um, to the point where everyone feels slightly deflated because, um, yeah, it's it's literally a click of the fingers and you're out of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, and your season's done. I'm just, I've been used to, first of all, I covered the Timberwolves, so I never went to a playoff game <laughs> as, a, as a working person. I've never been, I've never been to any playoff game in any sport as any kind of person. Um, and I was used to the season just sort of petering out. And that's what we had the first two years. It was, you sort of know when the last game is going to be. The last couple of weeks, you're sort of like arranging the linens and getting everything set to sort of winterize the, the house. Um, that didn't happen. You know, the, just in a moment, it was like, well, that's it. We did all this buildup and now that's it. So you have to sort of reckon with that, which is a little tough. Yeah, it is tough. You have to get over it very quickly. Um, but I mean... Look, I, I'm uh, I'm a fan of this sort of NCAA type knockout yeah. format. So yes. I think what it's done is it's certainly added an element of intensity to the playoffs that we've not had in Major League Soccer for a very long time. Yeah. Um, it, if ever, I think these have been the most compelling set of playoff games we've ever seen. I mean, the the Saturday during the the day, Steve, that the whole day I sat and watched every game. Yeah. Um, and I I just couldn't believe the intensity of the games and and, and how fast they were, the quality of the football as well. I just thought to myself, this is taking the playoffs to another level. Um, yeah. And they were all tremendously entertaining. And, um, you know, it, it was um, it was unfortunate that, that Minnesota were the ones, uh, that the lone side that, that lost at home in the playoffs when there's a sense of irony about it, isn't there? Because we've been so good at home this year. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we're the lone side to, to lose at home. And, and you know, home seat, home... Um, Teams have, have such an advantage playing in front of their home fans. And, 
you know, I think um, I, I might have said this to you on a previous podcast. If not, I, I certainly said it. Forgive me. I did about 54 interviews last week. So <laughs> um, I said it somewhere that um, whilst all the attention, and quite rightly so, was on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, there wasn't enough attention on the supporting cast. Um, now, Christian Pavon, I thought, was very well dealt with by the likes of Mitanier and Gasper, as was Antuna. Um, but the, there were two players, um, or there was an area of the field, rather, that, that I suggested there wasn't enough focus on, and that was the supporting runs and the secondary runs late from midfields. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened for the Galaxy to get their first goal. If you remember, the ball came in from the right, and Ibrahimovic executes an effort. It's well blocked by Boxall. And it was just unfortunate that it fell kindly for Sebastian Leggett, who made that secondary run. There was nobody running with him, yeah. and he was able to slot home um, you know, fairly easily from close range. And, and, and the second goal from, from Dos Santos, you know, again, I think it was a situation where um, nobody stepped up, uh, nobody um, pushed forward like they should have done. Um, and I understood because the Galaxy were pressing forward big time then, and, and there was almost a reluctancy to, to, to want to step out and run the risk. But... You, you can't jockey for as long as we did, and and Dos Santos will will clearly score from that sort of range. So yeah, yeah, I sort of think it felt like that second goal. I don't think that second goal could have been the first goal. Like to me, I think that I, agree with that. I yeah. think that yeah. the first goal, um, which again we'll get into it, but the you know the defense overall was good, but they were they, you can only be good for so long against a team that is that talented, you know, without conceding it. And again, tremendously unlucky. Boxy blocked that shot. It just it just happened to pop up in that way and land right in front of Lejet. Um, But I think that that goal led directly to a kind of moment of it's that transitional moment, right? Of this is a level game. We're looking for that goal and then to hold on to it. And then to go down a goal, there's that transition where you're everybody's, if everybody's even on the same page for a second, everybody gets on a little bit of a different page. You need to find a new, a new sort of new level and in that moment where everything's a little disarranged, I think that's when that second goal came. And it's like, again, I don't think that's the, I don't think that second goal would have been the first goal in the game. Um, no, it, it knocked the stuffing, the first goal, did it knock the stuffing out of Minnesota United yeah, for sure? And, yeah. and, and we, we knew then that, well, you've, you've got to open up then, Steve. You, you have to, you have to go and force the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is why I'm, I'm a fan of, of this one and done type um, competition in the playoffs because it, it does force teams to go and play. Right. And you it don't encourages think, attacking football, you know? Right. You don't think, oh, well, we're down a goal, but we can still hold. And then and then we go into another leg or whatever like Correct. that. So, yeah, I think with regards to that in the playoff format so far, I think that um, I talked with Adrian a little bit about this and his feeling. And I think that coming from where he, where he does in England, I mean, I think he still likes the the home and away leg. Um, it gives you a chance to play in front of your home, your support, no matter what, which is big in soccer. Um, but I think it's an acknowledgement of the fact that where, given where MLS is right now, you want as many eyeballs on this you know, product as possible. And it's just much easier for people to understand it's a game, a win or go home. You know, I, I think that's why the NCAA tournament is so tremendously appealing. I mm-hmm. give not a fig for college basketball. <laughs> Even when I was covering the NBA, I could not pay attention to it, but mm-hmm. I'll pay attention to March Madness. You know, like those games are fun. They're exciting. They're quick. They happen. They're over. You track some narratives, a couple Cinderella's, things like that. I, I think it's just in terms of an entertainment product, which is a way you have to consider this. It's just much easier to get a grasp on. Um, let's talk about Chase Gasper who you mentioned briefly along there with, with Metonier. He was, uh, I just thought he was 
great. I mean, especially considering a rookie, you know, I think Matt Doyle had pointed this out, like standing up to Pavone, who has, who's a full on, you know, Argentine international player. Here's a rookie. Now they're about the same age. So that's a, some, the, there's something to be said about development of us soccer players, but another debate for another day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Given you can only play the game you've got in front of you, Chase Gasper as a rookie in his first year, Great plays on Pavone. He got his jersey ripped off him, basically. Uh, Some good plays on Ibrahimovic. Just showed a ton of guts and heart, you know, out there, especially for a rookie. He won man of the match, which I thought was deserved, and looked like someone had pooped in his oatmeal when he was getting the award because he was just so (laughs) sad about losing the playoff game, which is exactly what you want out of a guy like that. I mean, and that is, I I love Chase Gasper. Uh, Yes, uh, and I will... um indulge Chase Gasper with every single pleasantry I possibly can, as I'm sure you will as well. He is um, a tremendous individual, a lovely, respectful individual as a person as well, Um, but has really moulded himself into what I would consider to be the first choice left back going into 2020. And it was a problem issue for Minnesota United coming into 2019. We really didn't know who the first choice left back was. And and there were several options that played there. At one stage, let's not forget, we even tried Miguel Ibarra at left back. Yes. So... It was. I don't mean to, I don't laugh at that to disparage Miguel, who's actually tremendous in wingback roles and and had had works his butt off when he's on the the pitch. It's more just think it's about his the, position. <laughs> just think about how how you know what we what the team's gone through to get to this point. So so it's it's in the end after the experimentation, it's turned out quite well, and and I feel a little sorry for for Chase Gasper that had there not have been the array of rookies that have done so well this year and and have given and shown the quality that they have, I actually think he would have been under consideration for the Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe um, that, that there have been plenty of times over the course of the history of Major League Soccer where, you know, you've had a rookie that's played 16, 17 games where they've won the Rookie of the Year. That, for me, was the only real issue for Gasper is that I don't think he played enough. Now, have he, sure. had he have played throughout the entirety of the season at the level that he played at, I certainly think he would have been in properly for the running. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit of a prejudice against defenders, also. Correct. And, yes, you know, I agree. like rookie of the year is a it's a it, you want it to be a player who holds out the promise of dramatic, exciting offensive plays, right? This is this is who wins rookie of the year in leagues all across anywhere where they have rookie of the year awards, mm. you know, and so to be um, a solid defensive left back. I mean, especially left back is a position that I feel like it's a lot of, you know, anybody can play left back. <laughs> like the sort of sense of like, you, you don't have a high expectations from that position in a lot of ways. So you put somebody there and you hope they can do well. Well, it depends on the system, but yes, I know yes. what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's sort of more, obviously systems are different and some left backs. I mean, it can be tremendous. Right. But, um, he's, you know, he showed a lot of technical ability, but he didn't score any goals. He didn't, you know, he didn't have any of those sort of things that a guy like Hassani Dotson had with, you know, the bangers as we have come to call them. Um, you know, just that's what you need. You need flashpoints for a rookie of the year to sort of grab that. And that's what Shin Yashiki did down the stretch is he looked good on a team that came alive down the stretch, you know, so mm-hmm. timing is part of it. And then he's an attacker as opposed to being a defender. So, um, well, well two, two things whilst we're on the subjects of, of rookies here, Steve. Uh, number one, Hassani Dotson. Freak, yeah, an absolute freak of a player. Um, at the age he is, uh, to have adapted so quickly to professional soccer and, and, and to play at the level that he has them, um, I suspect he will play a huge part for Minnesota United next season. Yeah, and I have said this on this podcast, I remember he for me 
could very well be the next player. And I don't, I'm not suggesting I want him to go anywhere, but he could be the next player if he continues on this trajectory that he's on yeah. that goes over to somewhere like the Bundesliga, like like a Tyler Adams. I, I honestly think he's that good. And, yeah. and I'll be interested to see what, what happens with him. Um, in terms of left-back, by no means am I suggesting Chase Gasper should start for the US national team. But left-back is a problem area for the national team right now. The US have had Danny Lovitz start in this um, current camp and the previous one they flirted with Lovitz and, and Tim Ream. And, um, you know, I, I think Chase Gasper, if he carries on again on the trajectory that he's, that he's been on and continues to be as consistent as he has been um, into 2020, maybe even 2021, I see no reason why a call-up isn't in his future. And... and you know, look, we don't know because things change all the time. If Berhalter is, is still in the, the role in 2021, sure. um, he seems to favour the MLS players, which is fine. Um, I I do wonder if if Gasper at some stage gets a call for maybe even a January camp just to assess, yeah. you know. Um, I, I'm interested to see what happens there. But look, but by no means am I saying he's ready because I don't think he is. But I, I just think in the future that that could very well be a possibility for him. Okay, so Chase Gasper to the national team, Hassani <laughs> Dotson to Bayern Munich yeah. is what you're saying. Okay, That's all right, good. <laughs> Write it down. Um, I, the, the, both of those, well, you know, has, not Hassani, but but Chase as part of the defense also, I wanted to say, I wanted to single out Chase, but I also wanted to see, say I think the defense was generally terrific aside from, you know, this, there's breakdowns, right? They, I think somebody pointed out that the Galaxy basically did nothing for 70 minutes. And then the first time they really had a good opportunity, it went in. You know, that was sort of, you know, they, that, that was, that was a bad moment from Minnesota United and a particularly good moment versus what we had seen from the galaxy up to that in terms of opportunism, I think. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say the galaxy did nothing. I thought their ball retention was magnificent yeah, and, yeah, and I sure. thought they okay. absorbed pressure very well and played in the areas that they were supposed to very well. But, but in terms of chances in the first 70 minutes, yeah, I, right. I would agree with that. Right. Sure. Right. Okay. Um, and also now, obviously, the the the, the not marking anybody, not marking Lejack coming in is a problem. But they really took Zlatan out of it, uh, which yeah. was terrific. He whiffed on a shot, he like rounded on a shot and just missed it entirely. He dribbled the ball out of bounds, which you love to see it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I enjoy strange. I enjoy seeing Zlatan not getting anything. So <laughs> it was strange. I remember um, on the call, sort of almost frowning actually when when Ibrahimovic ran the ball out of play. I kind of thought to myself. I, I've not seen that before. I, yeah. I've seen Zlatan play for Paris Saint-Germain. I've seen him play for Manchester United and, and, and at the very highest level and completely destroy individuals. And here he is just letting the ball trickle out of play off of a, a miscue from him. So I, I thought it was bizarre, actually. But yeah. um, a tremendous um, um, praise needs to go to, to those that, that kept him out of the game, for sure. Yeah. Um, you, you remember the, the game... Um, last season at LA Galaxy when Zlatan Ibrahimovic dropped an awful lot to get the ball. Um, he didn't do it as much this year. Um, and I'm wondering if that, if that's purely a, a Skelotto, the head coach of the Galaxy. I'm wondering if he's saying to Zlatan, no, 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 no. You do not drop. You, you're our main outlet. You have to stay up. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a reason why Zlatan didn't have much of the ball at Allianz Field. Um, I, I've already complimented the Galaxy on their ball retention, but I, I, I thought Minnesota keeping the ball away from the big man was, was really, really well done. Yeah. Now, let's turn to the offense, which is the thing we need to talk about. Um, because the defense needed the offense to do something, and the offense just didn't do anything, really. Um, 
which is going to be one of the things to address. I mean, in the same way that like at the end of last year we were looking at, it's funny how this works because I think for a couple of years it had been like, you know, the offense can score. What we need is a defense, right? Then the defense got really good. And with almost the same offense, you're like, well, now this is just not good enough to love to that defense. Um, after the game, you know, this was brought up, you know, none of those four players had scored in four games or something like that leading up to the, the, the playoff game, uh, the, you know, the, the attackers essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adrian pointed out that, you know, they've scored goals. They have 52 goals in the year. That's even in the Western conference with, San Jose, Portland, Seattle, you know, um, I did notice though, however, that, and this had come up the, the week before in terms of interesting stats that Minnesota United was tied for second in games with three or more goals behind LAFC who had 85. So basically like they were either scoring a whole bunch or there was like nothing going on. It was sort of tremendously up and down, which I think is a fair way to describe, um, that overall. Um, I wanted to say a couple positive things about the offense. If I could, um, as Adrian has said, and he said again in the postgame conference, we haven't seen the best of Robin Ludd. Um, people seem to be tremendously down on Ludd as a player. And I just think, I understand it's like he, he's played nine games, but I go back and think about how long it took Jan Gregus to really start looking comfortable um, in MLS. I think about I think about what it takes for a guy coming from a, another country and another league to get comfortable in MLS. Um, and then I think about somebody doing that in the middle of the season. And I think about somebody doing that a month removed from the end of their season. And I just think the timing has not been great. I think we've seen him to me. I've seen enough from him to say he's a good footballer. Um, he, and I don't think we've seen the best we're going to get out of him yet. So um, I just think, I think everybody who's crapping on Robin load right now, I think he's going to look good next season. Yeah. And, and the key phrase being next season, um, he was a signing that was essentially made for next season. Yeah. Um, the, you know, um, suggestion that he he wasn't fit is now gone because he's played, as you say, a, you know, nine games in in MLS and uh, even more in the the Open Cup. Um, so he was fit. I I just think Robin Lerd looked low on confidence. He didn't look as sharp as as you would necessarily want a player of that ilk to be. Um, I just think he's out of form. Yeah, I just think he's out of form. And, and people forget, again, that he's played a lot of football over the course of the last sort of two years and, and hasn't really had a break. And I just think he went through a bit of a barren spell at a really unfortunate time. Um, we're fortunate, Steve. We see him in training almost every day. He's a very good player. Yeah. Technically, he's fantastic. Yeah. But I just think he was lacking a bit of confidence um, and he wasn't in the form that was necessarily required to move forwards. Um and, and look, had Minnesota United advanced to play LAFC, I don't think he would have started because his performance against the Galaxy wasn't good enough. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. It that's, doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just yeah. means he's out of form. So yeah. um, and th- there's been a couple of players that have been out of form recently. I don't think Molina has been in great form recently. I don't think Quintero has been in great form recently. Right. Um, you know, and, and with Darwin being sick over the course of the last few days, before the game, it didn't help as well. You know, that that caused Adrian Heath and the coaching staff to to try and figure something out as well. Um, and so they, they gave Ethan Finlay the nod, um, who, who I, I thought was deserving of a starting uh, role, but even he will admit it wasn't his best evening either. So um, I think the occasion might have gotten to one or two players, um, which, again, is perfectly natural. We must remember these are human beings as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it's, I, stop you right there and you can continue. I also wanted to point out, I mean, I think it's fairly common for a team, a franchise in its first time in the playoffs to just not live up to that moment. 
You know, like it's just, it's, there's just so much and it's, you can't measure the, you know, the elements that go into that beyond the pitch. Just, Mm. I mean, it's the players on the pitch, but it's the entire organization. It's like, it's just a whole new frontier for everybody, I think. And it's, you know, it's, it's happened to other franchises that even if it's not their first year, the first time you get into the playoffs, it's just like, you can have players who have tons of experience, but it's like, it's not uncommon to not get past that first round. No, it took Toronto FC nine years to get to the playoffs. And yeah. when they got to the first round, they got knocked up by Montreal. Yeah. So yeah. look, it, it happens. It takes time. Yeah. Um, but in, in terms of, of the player ahead of those three players, I just mentioned Angelo Rodriguez. I've lost count. The amount of times on this podcast we've discussed, Angelo Rodriguez is not a major goal scorer. Right. I, I, when, when, when we signed him, I said, I don't expect him to get 15, 20 goals. He's not that type of center forwards. He's a kind of center forward that brings the other players into play. If he notches six or seven or eight goals, then then fine, no problem. Um, I I am of the opinion, if I was in charge, I would have started Mason Toy. However, I understand why Rodriguez started. And he started because of his holdup play. And he started because the the thought process coming into this was the Galaxy were going to play three in midfield as they have done all season. Mm -hmm. And Dos Santos was going to sit on his own deeper. Now that means there's an array of space either side of him. So the idea was they were going to play it up to Rodriguez. The wide, in inverted commas, wide-ish players would tuck into that space and and they would have a load of the space to to work with because Rodriguez would play it into them. They would play off of Rodriguez and were good to go. I understand why Rodriguez played. I I don't necessarily think it was the wrong choice, but if it was me, I would have gone with Mason Toy simply because I think he would have been able to stretch the back line a little more, mm-hmm. um, thus meaning the the three behind him could have very well had more opportunities as well. So it, it was a toss of, of a coin. Um as to which way the Galaxy were, were going to play and, and as to how Minnesota United were going to play and um, be as effectful, um, effective as they, as they could. Um, I, I just think it was an unfortunate evening where, unfortunately, Minnesota, and it was my biggest concern going into the postseason, they haven't had a major outlet all season. When you've got Darwin Quintero, who, who I know 16 goals overall in all competitions, but in MLS alone... If he goes into the postseason as your top goal scorer with 10 goals all season, you've got a bit of an issue. And four penalty kicks. Right, correct. Yeah, that is, I mean, I think that's the crux of it to me, is that if you look at the attacking options, I mean, you can you can make, you can call into question individual players playing or not playing or where they played. If you're looking at essentially the players who were in the rotation in the attacking half um, at the moment when the playoff game happens, you're talking about Molino, um, Quintero, uh, Finlay, um, Rodriguez and toy. These are sort of like your, you know, sort of your and lit. Sorry. Those are your options, right? Each of them is flawed in one way or another. Um, Mason toy is young. He had a great run, but he has not been in great form. He will get better. Um, Angelo Rodriguez, as you said, is a complimentary center forward in a lot of ways. Um, Molino, has, has had moments as well this season that have been great. His out, his long diagonal passes have been tremendous, especially for toy. Um, but again, not a great run of form right now. Finlay works his ass off. Um, but sometimes is, is not creative enough with the ball. Um, and then you have Darwin who just had a, a, a poor year overall. I think, I mean, he, he is the guy who you need to be better than all those other guys. Those other guys can be complimentary players. 
Um, on any given in any given game, they might be your best player. Finley might go off. You know, we saw Angelo get a, a hat trick um, at one point this season in, in Open Cup, I believe. Right. So yes, against New Mexico. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, but anyways, you know, like that one of those guys could go off. They could have a they could have a game. Molino had multiple had double assist games, things like that. Um, you need Quintero to be the guy. You need Quintero to be the guy. And aside from in the Open Cup and in a few other instances, he just wasn't that guy. You know, like, and I think that. A thing that has sort of bothered me is in the wake of this law, seeing people talking about um, your best player starting on the bench. Oh, really? Is that what people have been saying? I've seen, I've seen really? a couple of those. And I think that, first of all, let's take, into, let, let's, let's take out the fact that he's sick, okay? You know, he, he was not feeling well. This was a judgment about he shouldn't start. You can make the decision, should he have started and then come off if he couldn't go and then you put somebody else in, whatever. Darwin Quintero is not the team's best player. He's not. He's the most talented player. He is the highest skill player in a lot of ways, but this season he has not been the team's best player. So saying he, you know, he, again, four penalty kicks. He had, so he had six goals from the run of play. Finlay had seven with two penalty kicks. So he had five goals from the run of play. Uh, Mason had six goals and no penalty kicks, no penalty goals. So like, I don't know how you say like this. Well, you obviously have to use this guy. Like he hasn't come through, you know, like he has not come through this season when it's been needed the majority of the time. And so that it's, it's, you're in a tough position. I think Adrian Heath was in a tough position to try to make that call about who's going to play. And I just, so I just wanted to push back a little bit against the whole, your best players on the bench. I just don't think that's the case. I'm, I'm going to assume as well. And, and, you know, I don't often look at um, certain websites and whatever and see what people say. Um, Otherwise, you drive yourself crazy. But I, um, I, I'm going to assume that it was noted that he got the assist on the goal as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Which, um, <laughs> dear me, um, all, all, it, yes, statistically and, and factually, he he claimed the assist, but all he did was pass it into Jan Gregush on the edge of the area, who thumped it in from range. It's not like he's, you know, played a dangerous ball into the box, which caused chaos. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with you, Steve, in the fact that if you're coming in with the reputation that you do, that Darwin has, um, you've got to be a game changer. You have to be the man. You have to be the most significant piece of, of this puzzle. And and he hasn't been all season, you know. We've seen glimpses, no doubt. I mean, yeah. I thought the performance against Rail Salt Lake was good. And, yep. and I thought to myself, right, maybe this is where he kicks on a little bit. Um, and he didn't. So... <sighs> You know, it, it's it's been a real shame because, again, um, he's somebody who I would have considered to be a, a major outlet at the start of the season, someone who you expect after what he did in 2018. I fully expected him to go and get 15 goals and, and, and 10 assists or something, you know, and, and it's mm -hmm. just not worked. So um, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens with him. Um, he, I, I think, perhaps needs to have a little look in the mirror in the offseason and, and needs to ask himself what he wants, um, you know, and, and, and is he is he willing to to put in the work necessary to, to play in this system and to to play for this team, um, to play for any team in, in that case. You know, there were times when when he would give the ball away this season and, and the turnover would be appalling and he wouldn't show any sort of desire to go back and win the ball or or even get in back into the position where he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, to the point where I can see poor old Adrian Heath tearing his hair out on the sideline, and yeah. as well as 19,000 others at Allianz Field, you know? So, yeah. um, 
it's it's a big off season for Minnesota United in in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll get into off season more. Yeah, later going on, down I'm line, sure. So, yeah. um, but it's uh, it's going to be a very intriguing few months for, for Minnesota United, no doubt. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that Darwin Quintero was a great signing. You know, um, to bring in, I thought he galvanized yes. the team last year and had, I mean, that July is still tremendous. Six goals and six assists is incredible. So, um, and a good player at the right time. Um, but, you know, you say he comes in, he came in with a reputation that should be, he should be a game changer. He also came in with a reputation as being streaky and sometimes losing interest and sometimes, you know, not sticking with the program. And I think that maybe we've seen some of that now. So maybe it's time, I don't know, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Maybe he moves on, you know, there's a lot of things left open. It's great to know that we'll end talking about this part. Just saying we know that the, the, the defense is largely locked up for next season. Um, there's question marks. I mean, Vito Manone is still a question of like, well, you know, what happens with him, but you know, having signed, I go para and, and Michael Boxall to, to deals, you've got chases young, you know, you've, you've got, um, I believe Ozzy is, is, is on, in line for another year at least. So you've got Ozzy and Jan, you've got Hassani in that, you know, backup reserve midfielder role. It's nice to know, look at those guys and go, well, we got that, you know, so yes. that's, that's positive. The, the spine of the team has no issues at all. And I'm confident moving into the off season that there'll be a firm part um, of the team moving forward in 2020. The issue, as we have said several times now is uh, goal scoring. Um, and Minnesota United, I'm sure, will be very busy in the offseason looking at attacking pieces that they need desperately. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move into the playoffs generally. We'll just go spin around MLS and take a look at these playoff let's. matchups that are coming up. Okay, so um, NYCFC versus Toronto FC. Oh, it's a toss of a coin here, isn't Who it? Who you got? Well, so this is a thing I, I was talking um, with a couple of people in the office here today about this and yesterday, and um, I, I'm excited because I think it's... Um, no, no doubt the drama, I think, will come from the LA derby, which we'll get to later on. But but I think in terms of the best footballing sides, I think this is the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, obviously, NYCFC are playing this game at City Fields, which I believe right. that the dimensions are, are, if not exact, very similar to Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, Steve, if I'm Toronto FC, I'm going with the, the same lineup that they played against DC United. Um and I would ask the likes of uh, Endo to, to press the living daylights out of NYCFC because if you press them back far enough, they've not got anywhere else to go because the dimensions are so tight. Yeah. Um, I would also expect the, the ball to be out wide a lot more. I don't know if NYCFC will go with Tajuri Shradi and, um, you know, McKay Smith or, or um, Morales, but whoever they go with out wide, I think the wide players will have a lot of the ball a lot more in this game. So, um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Toronto win. I feel it. I had picked, I had been thinking NYCFC. Okay. Um, I mean, they've been playing really well down the stretch uh, overall. It did not beat Toronto in the regular season. Um, but they are, I believe in neither of those games, they have Maxi Morales or, or Hebert. Correct. So, um, in, so that's big. That's a, that's a very different team. Um, I, I'm a little, I'm a waffling a little bit on it considering the city field element to it because there's just something about not actually playing in your home stadium huh. that if that's, if that's the edge you've got and you're facing a Toronto FC team that is flawed, but also has Josie Altidore if he's playing and he, I think he's going to cause a lot of trouble for, for, for NYCFC. So I personally wouldn't start him, mate. No, I wouldn't start him in this game. No, and right. I know that might be bizarre for people to, where's my so hot take button. <laughs> 
I wouldn't start him because I, I don't think he's going to press um, like like the others would if if you ask them. And you know when you've got um, when you've got some of the players that they they do as I, I said some of the ones um, earlier on. I think I think Endo was really coming to form at the right time. Um, you know the um, uh, Benazay, the the French player, I I, I think can can offer a problem or two as well. And and if you've got those two underneath, uh, or sorry, ahead of um, uh, Pozuelo, I think there could be a real issue for NYCFC because the, the back line, yeah. you know, whilst, whilst uh, some of the back line have been really good this year, I, I just think if they're pressed back enough, there could be a real issue. And I think that will cause more space for Pozuelo. And that's the last thing NYCFC wants. All right, I'm going to go 2-2 NYCFC and penalties. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just to cover all my bases. Seattle Sounders versus Real Salt Lake. What do you um, think? I think the Sounders um, are starting to hit form at the right time. Yeah. I, would agree um, I thought it was it was uh, obviously um, a little nervy against FC Dallas, um, which was a tremendously entertaining game. But I, I just think the Sounders have got too much for Salt Lake, particularly yeah. at home as well. Jordan Morris now coming back into oh, the fray. Jordan Morris has looked amazing. He's looked good in the playoffs. And, and Rui Diaz off the ball has been fabulous. Lodero is is a a masterclass in, in um, creativity as well. So uh, I just think the Sounders have got too much. I think it's just straight talent here. I'm just going chalk with you just look at the players that Seattle has. And I, RSL has some very good players, but we've, you know, we've watched Nick Romando play. He's a legend, but he's also time for him to retire. Stefan Fry is a better goalkeeper than Nick Romando is right at this moment, I think. Yes. So, and also we, we must tip the hat to Nick Romando as yeah. well. I mean, what a fabulous career oh, he's had. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I like Albert Rushnak. I, you know, those, they have some really tremendously appealing players. I just think on terms of straight talent and you've got Seattle at home, which having just been there, I know how difficult that's, that's a tough stadium. So, um, yeah, I go Seattle. What do you think, uh, score wise? What are you feeling? Um, I'll go three one. Yeah, that's what I was, I was exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Three one. Glad we're in agreement there. Um, I should be writing these down. Uh, Atlanta United versus Philadelphia Union. I'm going to say, I, I, sort of a mix between prediction and desire here. I want Philly to win. First of all, <laughs> Jamiro Montero is my guy, and I will always root for whoever is playing against Atlanta. Um, I would love to share your optimism. <laughs> I got to pick one big upset. Yeah. So. Um. No, I think Atlanta are um, are far too strong for Philadelphia. That the one um, point which I need to bring up on 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 this particular game, which is off the field, we, we need to say uh, congratulations and um, well done to our very own Jeremy Watson, who's actually working for ESPN um, on uh, on this game and covering this game. So well done ah. to him. Um, so for those of you who still want to see is he a like, little is bit, is he a ball kid? Is he throwing yeah. <laughs> throwing balls in? Is that... <laughs> for those of you that still want to see an element of Minnesota United in the playoffs, there you go. There's okay. your chance. So, um, but to get back to the subject, Steve, um, I just think Atlanta have too much. And uh, right. regardless if Petit Martinez starts or not, I can see Atlanta winning this by two goals to nil. Two nil, huh? Mm. I think I'm going to go. <laughs> a I'm, lot of shaking of heads in this room. I'm going right to go. Now. I'm going to go 1-0 <laughs> Philly. I think Atlanta wow. is blanked. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. The big, the big one, the mm. one that everybody wanted. It's why mm. nobody wanted us to win, anyways. Uh, LAFC versus LA Galaxy and El Tráfico Mark 28 or whatever the, the LA Derby. Uh, it is me, lifelong LAFC fan here now. <laughs> um, so LAFC for the win. That's what my heart wants. Um, my head though also knows that if the Galaxy defeat LAFC, LAFC in this game, no one will remember them beating Minnesota United at that point because it will just be like, well, the Galaxy have de- 
dethroned the supporter shield winners. So, mm. so in my head, I'm like, okay, well, if, if the galaxy really show that, like they've given up the waffling around and they're just going to, you know, destroy in the playoffs, then, then I feel a little better about uh, conceding in that first round to them. But what do you think? LAFC versus LA galaxy. Wouldn't it be so spectacularly major league soccer if the galaxy went there and won? Um, yeah. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think this will be high scoring. I think this will be carnage, actually. I really do. I, I can see a lot of yeah. uh, issues defensively. Um, I, I think too many issues for, for the Galaxy defensively in the end, and I think LAFC will win um, 3 2, I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go 4 3 LAFC. I think, oh, well, it's, I think by all a, means, I would love that as well. I think well. there's a lot of goals <laughs> in it. I think, that, I think that if you look at what the Galaxy did against Minnesota United and you put in the attacking core that LAFC has. They get diced up. They get diced to pieces. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I think LAFC. LAFC um, with Vela and Rossi, and um, we don't know if Diamande will play for LAFC yet or not, but right. uh, he has been keeping himself fit. So, if they uh, get Diamande and they can move Vela back out to the right wing, like it's over. But he gets more so. of the ball, and I mean, he'll be. Look, he's he's obviously the MVP. He's I mean to score the amount of goals he has this year. Yeah. Um, look, he's he's phenomenal. So I just think it'll be too much for the Galaxy to handle. All right. Thanks for joining us for the 80th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Cub and their Dynamite Rotisserie Chicken. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entrius. Apologies as always to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. People can like you exactly as you are.